Father, this afternoon as we gather, may you unpack the word for us so that we can know how to live, how to respond, how to love you and love people you send our way. We commit our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A man was very concerned of his wife's hearing. He went to the doctor and told the doctor, Doc, my wife is losing it. She's losing her hearing. Doctor calmed him down and said, Don't worry, let's fix an appointment. You bring your wife and we'll figure this out. But meanwhile, please help me to find out at about what distance was she not able to hear. Armed with the instruction, the man went home, opened the door, smelled the aroma of cooking in the kitchen. He closed the door and decided to test what the doctor had told him. So about 10 meters away, he called out the wife, Dear, what are you cooking? No response. Just like this. Then he take two more steps. Dear, what are you cooking? No response. He take two more steps. Dear, what are you cooking? Still no response. He's desperate. He's taking two more steps and said, Dear, what are you cooking tonight? To that, the wife replied, For the fourth time, I told you, be still for dinners tonight. Some of you are still sleeping. The issue may not be with others. The issue may be with you. This happens to the guy who invited Jesus. The story opens for us at Luke seven thirty-six. It says, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. We are immediately introduced to the best guy in town. Kind of like some of us. Theology, impeccable. Spirituality, speed polish. This story in Luke 7 is unique because it doesn't repeat elsewhere in the rest of the gospel. Don't get confused with this with another episode of someone pouring perfume on Jesus. His name is Simon. Verse 40 tells us that. Which Simon is he? He is not Simon Peter. He is not Simon the sorcerer. He is not Simon from Cyrene. He is not the Simon the tanner. We know him in Luke 7 as the Simon the Pharisee. Simon invited Jesus for dinner. Since Simon was the best guy in town, we can assume he probably have a big house. And it is not a surprise that his house has a courtyard and that can hold dinners and parties. And beyond the courtyard, a low wall surrounds the property. Now this is a VIP dinner. So there are also many other important guests that are invited. The public will also be invited to stand around, stay at the edge of the dining area to observe, to listen in to the conversation, the theological discourse and the spiritual discussion. Doors are open, public are standing around, 
guests finally arrive, Jesus show up. All of them are ushered to sit down, recline on a couch because the banquets of that day were on couches where the person will lean on one of the elbow and keep the other hand free to eat the food that was served to them. That's the way they will eat in those times. And the servant was serving the guests. The bread, lamb chop, spices, wine, among the chatter and laughter. Luke say, Behold, check this out. Out of the crowd comes this woman. And Luke clearly puts it, She is a sinner. Luke uses the word for a moral sin. So stepping out of the crowd is not just ordinary woman. She is a sinful woman. Not only a sinful woman, but a morally sinful woman, also known as a local prostitute. You and I need to picture this for a moment. When she stepped out out of the crowd into the party, everything froze. Everyone froze. Because people are thinking, what on earth is she doing here? A sinner gate-crashing a Pharisee's party. We know she was not invited. There's no way in the world that the Pharisee would have invited a sinful lady to his house because we remember that Pharisees embraced the idea of salvation by segregation. That is, by keeping themselves at a safe distance from sinners, because to come into any kind of contact with them would pollute them in their own holiness. The gatekeeper is thinking, she's not in the guest list. Simon is thinking, I did not invite her. Some guests are thinking, does Simon know her? Is he going to spoil the party? The servants are thinking, here comes the real show. Some may be even thinking, I hope she will not point me out because I just have a transaction with her. She came with a jar of perfume and stood behind Jesus. The culture is as such that for every important guest, there is a servant standing behind him. There's no one, so the sinner stood behind Jesus. C.S. Lewis said, Falling in love is an interesting thing, but you cannot stay the rest of your life like that. You need to move into being in love. The lady moved from being falling in love with Jesus, thankful to Jesus, to demonstrating her love for her. She disrupted everything and then she started to cry. She was not simply weeping, but she was sobbing. Her eyes were pouring out so many tears that these tears fall and saturated at the feet of Jesus. And again, it doesn't tell us, but she is most likely also at the same time embarrassed. She leaned over and used her hair to wipe Jesus' feet. You need to Imagine a little bit because I don't have a lot of hair. This woman had done this because of the culture at that time. 
See, a few things will happen in this, in such an important dinner. The host will be the first to greet the guest of honor. The next person will be the servant assigned to serve the guest of honor. He will take a basin to wash his feet. It is hard for us to imagine now, but in those times people walk with open sandals on dirty, dusty road from point to point. And after a long walk, it is refreshing to have your feet immersed in water and the servant will wash the feet and dry the feet. Now we get tired from walking from all the shopping. We buy a Osim ice squeeze to squeeze our leg. Then the guests of honor will be put through an anointing ceremony. What they will do is to take a bowl where fragrance, herbs, expensive spices and oil were mixed together beforehand and they were brought out of the room and the fragrance will fill the dinner area. And they will pour the oil on the head of the guest of honor and the oil will flow down to the cheek and for men down the beard onto the clothing. And for the rest of the evening, the aroma will mark him as the guest of honor. And the next day, as he walked down the street, others will also know he has been the guest of honor at a dinner the night before. That's why Pastor Felicia Go and me love our surname. Go, guest of honor. Before we go through the rest of the story, let's look at two profiles here. One is Simon. The good guy. And the other, the sinner. Profile number one, Simon the Pharisee, the best guy in town. Motivated by duty, driven by external form. Simon kept Jesus at his distance. Since Jesus was the talk of the town, Simon the Pharisee better invites him. If not, then the town will be wondering why Simon did not invite him. But to invite Jesus, his fellow Pharisees might question him. So he came out with a wonderful plan. Invite Jesus for a dinner, but don't give him the guest of honor treatment. Maybe he could please the crowd and the next Pharisee's church camp, he could explain away that Jesus was invited, but he did not receive the guest of honor treatment. Simon was happy to have Jesus in the house, but kept him at, at a distance. Are we keeping Jesus at a distance? Maybe for some of us, Jesus is in your life, but he is at the corner of your life. You have invited him. For whatever reason, many years ago, he come into your life, but you have poised him to be at the corner of your life. It is so easy for a lot of us, that we are caught up with so many things, and sometimes ministry things. We always want to stay in charge and to be in control of our life. So much so that we tell Jesus, please, Jesus, stay clear of me. I know how best to run my life my way. Keeping Jesus at a distance. How do we then not keep Jesus at a distance? Allow him to come into every area, every closet of your life because Jesus is interested to help you 
to flourish in those areas. Number two, Simon treated Jesus. Simon treated Jesus as a guest without honor. How did Simon not honor Jesus? By not according him the honor he deserved. Having been treating Jesus without honoring him. Standing up for Jesus. Are you afraid? You will be on your friend's cancer list if you stand up for Jesus. How do we honor Jesus? Let Jesus have the rightful place. Listen to him when he speaks to you. John 10, 27 says, Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. If you want to follow Jesus, you need to listen to him because he is speaking to each of us. I must admit, I'm not as good as I should in honoring my wife, in listening to her. Occasionally, we will have this drive, and then during the drive, she will start this monologue. And at the end, she will turn to me and ask me, what do I think? My only hope is to ask her back, what does she think? And hopefully to pick up some intelligent words or phrase so that I can figure out what she has been telling me for the past 30 minutes. Often she complains. She's not here. Okay. I hear, but I did not listen. Went into my ears, but never touched my heart. Same with our relationship with Jesus. We read the scripture, God spoke, and then we close the Bible. Honor Him by listening to Him. He often will speak to us through His Word and His Spirit. John sixteen twelve to 13 says, I still have many things to say to you, Jesus is saying to us, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. So listen to Jesus. Give Him the honor as the Lord of your life. Number three, Simon wanted the party his way. The woman has ruined the party. Simon only invited the good guys to the table. Simon was thinking, Jesus, you should have pushed him, push her away, shoo her away, and we can get on with our program. Simon was more concerned about his own reputation, focusing on himself, and he missed the golden learning opportunity. Many guests go to Simon's house to attend a party. The sinner go to the Simon's house to attend church. The party is not at the table. The party is at the feet of Jesus. Jesus often sees the moment to teach and instruct. But like Simon, we often miss out the church because we are so consumed by the party because we are focusing on the wrong places. The older I get spiritually, the more I need to be very careful. I need to know where the real party is. We need to be driven by a heart of devotion, not a life full of 
performance and external forms. Love Jesus more than anything you love. Many years ago, I was thinking, I'm such a good guy. I was saved at the age of 17. I was saved from not so horrible things like some of you. All right? I bite my sister. I skip lecture. I steal a few times, never get caught. I thought to myself, I will do good. I go back to the store and give them back cash. All right? I thought, I'm such a good guy. All right? I can, I can handle this Christian life. I work hard, volunteer my token service. But Jesus, if you don't mind, let me run my life. But I miss something critical. Then I have an opportunity to watch a choir performing a song, Amazing Grace. The song is not well sung, to be honest, but was from their heart. You see, the choir was made up of past convicts. And as the house light is dim and the spotlight is on the face of the choir, I can see streams of tears flowing down, some of them. As they render the song, I thought to myself, this is indeed a group of broken men. Men who are forgiven much. Then I sense God is speaking to me. Where would you be, Hok Chai, if, if, if he let me, allowing my self-centeredness to take me to the way I want to go? What kind of relationship would have ruined by me, if not for him who teach me about servanthood. Ah, then I realized I was like Simon, treating Jesus without honor, wanting my life my way. That's Simon. Now we come to the sinner, motivated by love, driven by devotion, to Christ. Her devotion was intentional. She did not happen to be at Simon's house. She did not just bum around, happen to be there, and wow, see the crowd, check out who is there, I want to join. No, she was there intentionally. How do I know? Because she brought along an alabaster jar of perfumes. How many of us carry such big jar of perfume everywhere we go? No. Even yes, you also dare not put up your hand. Alright? People who are driven by devotion to Christ live a life of intentionality. They wake up in the morning and they do not say, I have to follow Christ. People whose lives are marked with intentionality wake up in the morning and say, I want to follow Christ. So she said to herself, what can I do to demonstrate my love for Jesus? She said to herself, let's go to the party. Number two, her devotion is sacrificial. She brought a jar of perfume. She didn't just bring a potluck dish. She did bring a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. I wonder if they have names for the perfume back then. Chanel number five. YSL black opium. Bible scholars estimate that the cost will be about one year worth of salary. That isn't cheap perfume. 
It costs us so much to want to make Jesus' feet smell good. But Jesus applauded her for the expression of love. Remember the story when King David want to buy a farm to build an altar to honor God? The farmer told him, Let my Lord the king take whatever pleases him and offer it up. But the Bible recorded for us, David's reply was, No, I insist of paying. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. You can sacrifice without love, but you can never love without sacrifice. Are you, am I, expressing our devotion to God sacrificially? Number three, her devotion is courageous. Do you know how hard it was for her to walk into the sin? This moment for that woman was intimidating. These people must have time and again pointed finger at her in the marketplace and condemned her whenever she walked past them. But her devotion to Jesus just did not keep her standing there. She was overwhelmed by her love for Jesus. I don't care what people say. I want to go in and become Jesus' advocate. Simon should be the advocate for Jesus, but he did not. Since Simon did not, she did. I want to be advocate for Jesus. I want to stick out my head for Jesus, wash his feet, clean his feet, anoint his feet. For any woman letting down her hair at that time is pure humiliation. In those days, women do not let down their hair. Would you, would I let down our inconveniences, our ego, our pride for Jesus? I wonder what drove the woman to be devoted to Jesus. What kind of message did she hear from Jesus that motivated her to get crash the party? Unfortunately, the book of Luke did not tell us. But earlier in Luke, it was recorded that John the Baptist sent his disciples to check out Jesus' credential. And the same event was recorded in Matthew 11. And in that passage, Matthew recorded for us what was Jesus preaching. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Oh, the woman is weary and burdened. And Jesus said, I will give you rest. Take my yoke and you will learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Perhaps this is a passage she have heard earlier that day. And she realized, finally, there is a man that is not out there to make use of her. Finally, she met someone who can provide gentleness and rest. And because she knows that she's needy, she responded to that invitation. Maybe that is the thing that drove her to get crash the party. Back to the story. Verse 39, When the Pharisee who have invited him saw this, 
he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. In those days, a test of a prophet is that he need to know something that nobody will know. Maybe there's a reason why Simon, the Pharisee, has invited him to the house to check out for himself whether Jesus is who he claimed to be. So Simon, the Pharisee, said to himself, if Jesus is a prophet, then he surely would know she's a sinner. She's a prostitute. And if I'm allowed to speculate a little bit, immediately Jesus' eye locked with Simon. And Jesus must be thinking, are you thinking whether I'm a prophet? I just read your mind. Now be careful. This is free. Jesus can read our minds too. So stop thinking those unnecessary things. How do I know? Because Jesus went on to tell a parable. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Simon said, tell me, teacher, already, he said. Two men owe money to a certain money lender. One owe 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back. So he cancelled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. Jesus replied, You have judged correctly. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But this woman, from the time I enter, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little, loves little. So Jesus gave us a principle here. Forgiven much, loves much. Forgiven little, loves little. This verse in Luke 7 always baffles me. What does it really mean? Does it mean that Jesus is not expecting Simon to love much because he's such a good guy? Good guy don't need to be forgiven and therefore he is not expected to love much. So since I'm such a good guy and good guy don't need to be forgiven much and therefore not love much and hence God understand why I cannot love him so much. But this is not what the Bible is teaching for the rest of the, the scripture. Throughout the scripture, Jesus often criticized Pharisees for their sins, for having a form without substance, blind to their own spiritual poverty. And this is often this group that is the target of Jesus' message. Or is Jesus referring to Simon? You do not love me much because you think you do not need to be forgiven much because you're such a good guy. Watch out. It's so easy for us to think that way. It is not until you and I realize that we are forgiven much, we will never have the capacity to love much. Remember how Isaiah described us 
in Isaiah 64 verse 6. We are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquity like the wind have taken us away. This couple gave me permission to share their story. My wife and I have been uh, walking with this couple for many years. We saw the husband grew in his faith towards God. He worked through some of the issue of the past, but he's willing to move forward with God. Wife too, growing gradually in her faith, and together they serve God, have a beautiful family. However, like all of us, we all face temptation. Recently, the wife was tempted, and she fell into adultery. She was deeply remorseful, and the act consumed her and did not give her peace. She confessed her sin to God, to me and my wife, and she wanted to get right to the husband. But she worried and is fearful that if she were to do that, he will be so disappointed to the point of giving up on her. And we all can imagine the hurts, the disappointment, if we are in that situation. He is one of the best brothers I know. A great husband, father, son, son-in-law I ever know. Showing his love generously and in many practical ways. Finally, after a season of prayer, she gathered enough courage. She confessed to him. She texted us the night before to show up. He wept with unbelief and sat at the sofa for a long moment. When we entered the room, I saw him tearing. I did what I know how. I pat his shoulder and sat down and shut up. After 30 minutes, with tears in his eyes, he told me God has ministered to him through his word all this while. And he realized God has done so much for him. In his pain, he remembered he was forgiven much by God. And he wanted to love and to be obedient to God. And this is exactly what he said. I was forgiven much, and I need to forgive much. He stood up, went over to the wife, who just told him that she has betrayed him, gave her a hug, and told her she will forgive her, and give him, and allow the hurts, give him time to allow the hurts to heal. The wife turned around, asked my wife, is this true? Am I in a dream? My wife and me were praying for God's love to envelop them. And it is surely unfolding right before our eyes. I was an unbeliever, even though I prayed to see how God moved a man who realized he was forgiven much. And hence, he wanted to forgive much. Obviously, there are issues that couple need to work through, but they're not giving up hope. They're working hard on their marriage, committed to love and support each other. Last Sunday, the wife texted me this. She said, through this episode, 
she thinks they love and cherish each other more. I truly have learned and experienced God's grace and mercy. This meant the forgiveness is real and is beyond her human understanding. When we realize we have been forgiven much, we can also love much. Simon did not see that he needed to be forgiven much. Therefore, he did not love much. The sinner knew that she had forgiven much by Jesus. Therefore, she can love much. We have all sinned, just a reminder, in our private lives, in our relationship, in our thought, unkind words towards people, our spouse, even our parents. We have repeatedly disobeyed Jesus, who has sacrificed his love and life for us on the cross. We have been also forgiven much. And hence, we need to love much. Not until we realize we are among the forgiven much, that we can love Jesus much. And he will give us the desire to follow him and obey him. We must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive because we have forgiven much. Because he who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. So people, because you and I don't belong, you and I belong to the forgiven much, do not be like Simon, keeping Jesus at a distance. Treat him as a guest without honor and wanted party our way. Instead, learn from the sinner who express a devotion intentionally, sacrificially, and courageously. Paul says the secret of a passion for God, the greater the depth, the greater the devotion. The greater you realize your debt, the greater will be your devotion. With this story, I will close. The best violin you can lay your hands on is the Stradivarius violin. It's the most beautiful sounding violin and is widely recognized by violinists as superior than any ever made. Probably about 600 pieces left out of the thousand that's made, and it cost one piece cost more than my house. A Stradivarius violin sounds is very lively. It flickers, it constantly trembles, it moves like a candlelight. For a long while, expert and musician always wonder why this type of violin can produce such high quality sound. And the latest is this, and pretty much people can agree on this. This extraordinary instrument was made in 17th and 18th century in the northern Italy city of Mona. The violin maker is by the name of Antonio Stradivari. He's poor, so poor that he cannot afford to go to the marketplace to buy a piece of proper wood 
for the violin. Instead, he goes to the polluted harbor in his town, pull out pieces of wood from the shipwreck for his violin, and through his hand, shape this violin. When they took apart a piece of the wood from a damaged Stradivarius violin, they discovered that only in Stradivarius violin that all the wood cells are empty and hollow. Because the wood is from the polluted harbour and the wood worms have eaten up all the contents and left the wood cell empty. Antonio further applied certain chemicals which is unknown to kill off the wood worms. He went down to the polluted harbour and rescued the piece of wood and took the wood and through his hand shaped together to form the best type of violin. When the musician played on the violin, thousands of wood chambers resonate within the violin and produce the most beautiful sound and music. Let me remind you and myself today that no matter how good you are, whatever, Jesus Christ came to you and me, come down to pull out from the polluted environment of sins, destruction, pride, and self-centeredness, and by His hand, created masterpiece, so that your life resonates with His power and glory in His beauty of His love. Since Jesus has done that for you, for you and for you. Can you love Him much? Can you love Him much? Father, this evening, even as we consider Luke 7, we ask of you to stir in our hearts if there are areas in our life that we cannot honour you. We kept you at a distance. Would you give us courage to make a difference today? To come before you, to confess, and like the sinner, to love you, to love you sacrificially, intentionally, and courageously. Lord, we need strength. You know, some of us are stuck. So we need a breakthrough today. Would you help us, Lord? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.